Welcome to the Unapologetic Truths Podcast, where your hosts are Monty Talks and Life Math Money, back with a special guest today. Uh, the f- current guest is a bodybuilder, a writer, entrepreneur. Uh, please put your hands together for Matt Stevens. What's up? Hey, Armani and, uh, and Harsh. How are y'all doing? Doing well. All good, brother. What about you? I'm, I'm doing great, man. I appreciate y'all having me on today. I'm, I'm excited about the conversation that's about to ensue. We had a collaboration three years ago, Matt. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. The, the angle of the video was, what does a public speaker and a bodybuilder have in common? And the thing that we both have in common is discipline. If you're trying to improve your public speaking game, you got to be disciplined. You got to show up to these events um, ahead of time. And I'm sure that you got to do the same thing for bodybuilding. Oh, yeah. No oh, by the way, for those who are not aware, Matt is a legit bodybuilder. He weighed 108 kilos, was jacked as hell. And if you look at his arm, you know he's a bodybuilder. Show us your arm, Matt. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> look at those forearms. Those are bigger than most people's biceps. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been uh, several several years of, of hard work, man. And, and, and no, you're absolutely right, Armani. It takes a it takes a you can't do it without discipline. I mean, you can't do anything that's you know worthy without discipline. Like anything that's worthy is gonna take hard work. And if hard work is involved, consistency is involved, discipline is involved. Absolutely. How did you get into bodybuilding? So uh <laughs> probably like a probably a breakup if we're if we're being honest here. Uh, but I think breakups create a lot of bodybuilders. <laughs> Uh, bad, bad breakups. Um, but no, I, so I, uh, I, I basically, I had worked out almost for my entire life, you know, ever since I was you know 12 years old and, you know, living in Alabama, they're really serious about football and they had a great program where, where I lived. And so they, you know, when you're, when you're really young, they don't start you off on a killer workout program. They just teach you the basics and the technique and whatnot. But anyway, I trained all throughout high school and a little bit after high school, but I, I also played music and I got into a, a few bands when I was uh, out of high school. And uh, I moved up to, to Tuscaloosa to go to college. It's the, the University of Alabama and Roll Tide and, uh, you know, played played music up there. And at first I was I was doing great. Um I, but but eventually, in long story short, I kind of went down the wrong path and totally just ruined my life and uh, hit hit a rock bottom moment. And that was the the a, a breakup that I went through was kind of the the uh, the epitome of that point. And so I looked. By the up, way, Matt, if you don't mind me asking, how long was the relationship before the breakup? I think it was a year. Okay. So, uh, but anyway, uh, it, it was, it was rough just because of the, the circumstances, like, you know, I was getting cheated on and, and, and all this. So, uh, it was, it was, it was difficult and I didn't know anything about women at that point. I didn't, I really didn't. And so, uh, anyway, it was rough and I took a look at myself in the mirror one day and was just like, what the hell are you doing? I was out, I was the, in the worst shape of my life. I was depressed. I was 
you know, just, I just looked, I just looked ugly, you know, and my life looked ugly and I was just, you know, hit by a wave of all these negative emotions, you know, disappointment, sadness, anger, despair. And, and I, I realized like, Hey, you know, you got to do something. This is, this is, we can't keep going down this path. It's not, this is not good. You got to turn this around. And so I said no more. And I, you know, decided at that moment that I was going to uh, change things. And the first thing that I knew I wanted to do was to fix my body, because like I said, I was in the worst shape I had ever been in. And I stopped working out for like, it was like four years. But because of this moment, I was like, okay, I got to get my body back in shape. So the first place I knew, knew to go was the gym and start start lifting again. And that's what got me back lifting. And I made a, 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 a good transformation at that point. And I felt better. I got my confidence back. I looked good. Uh, uh, women were paying attention to me again. And so I got into another relationship. And at the, at the end of that one, it was also kind of a bad breakup. And, and I was like looking for, like, I think guys, like we, we do one of two things. We either, you know, just... We, we just give up or we push, find something and we just, we, we push forward. We use that pain as uh, kind of fuel. And that's mm -hmm. what I did is I used that pain as fuel and I got into the gym and I knew that uh, I had always, I had always wanted to be like, just shredded. And I saw the guys, you know, that were on stage at, at bodybuilding shows. And I was like, that's, I want to get like that. And uh, the girl who I, I, I dated, who broke up or who we broke up um she she was not cool with the, with bodybuilding and she was like no she thinks she thought it was ridiculous so now that we weren't in a relationship again i was like okay i don't care what you think i'm gonna go i'm gonna go do what i want to do now so uh that kind of that kind of uh you know that's when i made the decision to step on stage and 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 it was a lot of hard work and but once i did i, I loved it man i loved the routine I loved the focus, man. I, it was like, it was the thing that like, I just, I concentrated on and I, I could devote my, my attention to and direct that, that pain towards. And man, it just, I loved it. I fell in love with it. And then that was it. I continued to just go on that path. Harsh. How you, old were you? Sorry, go ahead. Well, Harsh, we were actually talking about this in one of our past episodes where after a breakup, a lot of guys just lose it or they become obsessed with something and grow in a certain vehicle. Yeah. And we were talking about uh, it, Matt, where we're like, what is that vehicle that you should invest in? And both of us were like, the first thing you should do is invest in your body because you have so much control over it. And it's unique to say, uh, see that a guy like you, that's how you started your path where you're going through a tough breakup, you're heartbroken, and at that point, you could start to do drugs and become an alcoholic, but instead, you choose to invest in your body. Were there some trials and errors involved, or did you grasp onto the body immediately? Um, well, because of the the first breakup that I, that I went through, I, I was able to lose all that weight and, and gain muscle and, and kind of transform myself and, and, and my body and, and get my confidence back and everything like that. But I, even, even with all of that, it wasn't enough for me. It was like, okay, I still, 
wasn't in the shape that I wanted to be in and, and I wanted to go further. So the, the, the second breakup just kind of fueled that. And I was like, okay, now I'm, now I'm going to go for it. So I don't know. Does that, does that, does that make sense? It does make sense. And it's that pain, man. I mean, using that pain is creative energy. When mm-hmm. I was initially starting Armani talks, I mean, I was going through some tough times and that's when I was like, you know what? All this creative energy, let me channel it into writing skills. Let me channel it into Toastmasters and try to sharpen something out of this. Is that how you started Life Math Money, Harsh? Or was there some pain involved? No, there was no pain involved. It was just supposed to be a writing hobby and it just took off. I would oh, say no. it was a lot of luck and God's grace. I'm interested, Matt, how old were you when this happened to you? And of course, I also want to talk to you a bit more about what you learned in bodybuilding and also answer some misconceptions people have about nutrition and lifting weights. Yeah. So tell us a bit more. How old were you and what mistakes did you make when you started lifting weights? So uh, I was 24 when I got back in the gym. And yeah, 20, 24, I started lifting again. And uh, I, I would say that you know, I didn't really have a plan. I mean, like I kind of haven't had an idea of, you know, cause I worked out for football, but you know, working out for football is specifically working out for football. It's not working out to, I mean, it will get you in shape. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like a, uh, uh, for the average person. I mean, uh, and, and usually we just continue with what we know, but I was like, okay, I, but I, I want to do different things. I don't want to sit here and do power cleans and snatches and all those things because I just, they they weren't necessary for me. So uh, it's just creating a plan. And, and of course, I was just a total broke college student at the time, and I, I couldn't necessarily afford a coach. Um, but I, I would say that if you, can, if you can afford it, and not just a coach, but, but the things that are more affordable are a workout program. I wish that I would have had a workout program that I could follow um, that would have made, that would have given me a, a plan, basically a blueprint. And so, uh, without that, it was a little, it was a little bit more difficult. Um, but I was just, like I said, with, with that, with that pain, like I was nervous pulling up to the gym, like totally nervous. There were times where I pulled up to the gym and I thought, I don't want to go into, I'm going to go back home. But then I remembered if I go back home, what I was going back to. And, Why were you nervous? Um, just, I, I was, I was, I felt awkward. I felt like I didn't belong. There was a bunch of guys in there that were just jacked and in shape and super strong. And I was in there going like, it's like a fat, skinny, fat, like, uh, you know, dude. And, and I was just, I was kind of embarrassed of the shape that I was in. I was, I was ashamed. And, uh, I didn't, like I said, I, I, I didn't, I'd felt intimidated. And so that intimidation, it was, it was a lot. And I, like I said, I'd pull up to the, to the gym and I think about going back home. But I, like I said, I remembered that uh, if I didn't go into the gym, the life that, you know, I was dealing with and I, I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to stop. I wanted something different. So the pain of dealing with the intimidation was less than going back home and continuing my life as it was, you know? Mm-hmm. So Do having that plan... Having that, having that work training, having that training program would have made it a lot easier for me to, you know, get going. But uh, you were saying harsh to 
that do I have a, a program? Yeah, do you have a program or is there a particular program that you recommend people follow? And are there any particular programs that you recommend people don't follow? Um, yeah, well, so so first I do I do have a few programs and I'm coming out with more. And, uh, you know, I, I basically give discounts on all of them so they can be as little as $20 uh, to, to, to get a program. You know, who can't scrounge up 20 bucks for a training program, you know? Um, but are there any programs that I, that I wouldn't recommend? I mean, not necessarily. Uh, I, I prefer like the, the bodybuilding style of training just because it emphasizes recovery, but, uh, and, and less injuries are involved than let's say CrossFit or powerlifting. And so, uh, I recommend bodybuilding just as like a, uh, longevity from a longevity standpoint. But uh, other than that, I would say not necessarily. I, I, it's just whatever you can stick to, whatever whatever you enjoy. If if it if it pulls you in or motivates you to go to the gym, by all means, do it. You are certain really... exercises. Certain exercises I might not recommend, but uh... and speaking of that, you had a polarized tweet recently where you <laughs> yeah. said where you said uh, deadlifts are overrated. Uh, you care to yeah. expand your psychology on that? Yeah, I just I just don't think they have much functional value. I mean, like, yeah, you're you're picking up a lot of weight on the floor, um, or off the floor, but uh, it's like, what? How does what does that translate into, and and what's the what's the point of it? I mean, of course, it does translate into, into strength and 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 whatnot, but uh, the risk to reward ratio I don't think is favorable. I think that. Uh, a lot of people do get injured on deadlifts and uh as far as like the average person is concerned i just i think there are better alternatives you are one of the first people that i saw write that many times i think that because normally when i'm whenever i'm watching these fitness youtubers or any sort of fitness people the one thing that they keep on saying is you need squats and you need deadlifting Mm. Now, Stop calling me out, man. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> the main times I got injured was with deadlifting. One of the times I couldn't walk for a couple of days. And this was early on in my fitness journey. So I'm assuming that it's a common thing. Uh, but I'll be real, man. I mean, I never articulated this out loud, but I wasn't a deadlifting guy at all. Uh, so mm. when you wrote that, I made sure I liked it. I should be tweeted now too. Oh yeah, no, I mean the thing is, like, if you can watch videos of people uh, doing deadlifts online, uh, you know, on social media or whatever, and you always see their how round their back gets by by pulling it up, and it's like, ugh, you know, something's bound to happen with that. And uh, too many people, too many people do it. I mean, deadlifting is a very technical lift. There is a specific way to do it and and most people don't have that technique down and they want to progress faster than what their form will allow them to and so uh to me i just I, like i said i think there's just better alternatives or safer alternatives that you get the the same results with and i don't think loading your spine very often i mean your spine holds everything together in your body and you're putting a ton of load on it and so uh, it's it's the same thing with squats, but to me, squats are a little bit more beneficial uh, functionally than, than deadlifts are. Um, you're you're standing up 
sitting down and standing up basically. And uh, I don't think that squats load the spine as much as deadlifts are concerned or are, are concerned, but I guess it just depends on the person. really. And I did see multiple cool. go, go ahead, Harsh. It would be cool to get Mark Repetto and Matt Stephens on the same podcast and wore it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Mark, if you're listening, you're welcome on our show. <laughs> I agree with Matt, though. I've been injured on the deadlift so many times, and my, my deadlift isn't even particularly strong. My max deadlift is about three plates, so 140 kilos. And like, if I take a month off and I just deadlift again, say even 100 kilos, I will get injured. The thing is that the injuries get better, though. So I don't know what the long-term consequences are for these things. But the starting strength guy assures me that this is normal. So, you know, this is how it is. Yeah, I mean, it just depends. It depends on the the injury. But if you like slip a disc or something, that could be life changing. You know, and uh, that's it's happened on on deadlifts before. When you you slip a disc, and then that disc could rub up against a nerve for the rest of your life, and that's ugh. You know, you don't you don't want to deal with that. One of the first times I got injured, I heard this scrunching noise. And I thought that's what happened. That my hey Harsh, it's uh, echoing. Oh, one sec. Let me uh, reduce the volume a bit. Hold up. Well, that's what How I thought happened. Now? now it's good to go. That's what I thought happened. I, I thought uh, something happened with a disc. I didn't know. All I knew is that you're right when you're saying that the spine holds everything together. Because when I couldn't, uh, when I couldn't feel good on my lower back. Matt, it was hard to walk. It was hard to get in yeah. the shower. It was hard to, when you lie down, yes. you're second guessing if I should get up. You're like, okay, I'm lying down watching TV Absolutely. right now. Do I really need to use the restroom or can this wait? And yeah. <laughs> the, the, these small little decisions are now plaguing my mind because my back hurts so much. So after that, I still did deadlifts. I got a, uh, one of the gym coaches in the gym area. Uh, for some reason, I never liked it too much. Now, I saw people asking you in your tweet, like, what's a good replacement? And you asked what their goals are. Mm. Uh, but do you have, let's say someone's goal is to um, get stronger. Do you have a replacement in, instead of the deadlift? Yeah, I mean, that, that, well, that's the thing is like, uh, even even just get stronger is pretty pretty general mm-hmm. and uh because because here's the thing is you, you could get stronger in anything um and and like overall strength i mean like how are we how are we measuring that and and so on and so forth like i'll give i'll give an example a different example uh a uh a, a woman commented you know what is a better alternative so i asked her what her goal was and she said that she wanted to uh I guess, tighten up her, her, uh, her butt, you know? And so I was like, okay, yeah, well, if that's the case, I, I definitely have a recommendation. I, I would do RDLs, which is a form of deadlifting, but typically RDLs, you're not maxing out. You're not doing a ton of weight. Um, and then, uh, and, and, and it also, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's a glute dominant exercise. So it's great for growing your, growing your, your glutes. And then, uh, another one I, I recommended to her were hip thrusts. You know, hip thrusts you could do a lot of weight with, and hip thrusts typically don't, um, you know, I guess conjure a lot of in- injuries 
or at least you don't hear, you know, injuries about, or at least I've never heard in, about injuries with, with hip thrust. But those both of those are glute-dominant exercises. And, you know, they're better, to, they're, they're better than, your, than the deadlift as far as developing your glutes. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts on those people that say, hey, Harsh is still echoing? Oh, I'm so sorry. Let me try getting the headphone thing on, but it's not working for some reason. Okay. One sec. So, Matt, hypothetically, let's say someone mainly just goes to the gym and uses machines. Is that any less optimal than just using barbells? Because that's a debate I hear a lot, like team barbells versus machines. Some say, why not both? But let's say it's a a normal person where they they want to be fit, but they don't want to make their entire life revolve around fitness. Uh, let's say they want to go to the gym and just use machines. Is that worse off? Uh, I wouldn't say that it's 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 worse off, but uh, what I will say is, you know, the one of the one of the benefits you get from using free weights are those those smaller muscles that help you balance things. You know, with with your machine with a machine, you don't necessarily have to balance because the machine is limited in in movement and it's pretty much guiding you. Uh, you, you can't take it in any and all directions, but let's say, uh, for example, uh, dumbbell bench press. Um, when you're when you're pushing up from your chest, you have to keep those dumbbells balanced, otherwise they will fall in, in whatever direction. So it's those small uh, uh, stabilizing muscles in your shoulders that are also getting stronger from trying to to keep the weight stable. So. I think that's one of the benefits you get with free weights versus machines. But I, I still, I'm, I'm, I'm probably in the camp of, of why not both? Mm -hmm. Because uh, typically with a machine, and de depending on how heavy the weight can go, uh, you, you're just you're, you're able to do a little bit more more weight because you don't have to stabilize, and you don't have to worry about you know the weight falling in one one way or another. So uh, if it's like a plate-loaded press, you know, that's still considered to me a, a machine. So you could load it up however heavy you can go. And typically be, it would be able to do more weight than you would be able to do with a fr uh, free weights. Mm, okay. That makes sense. Is there a certain core group of workouts that you, you say must be in your practice? Um, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I guess that would depend on, 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 on the person, uh, and, and, and also what the, what the goal is, uh, because See, I don't this think is how that... I know, this is how I know you're an expert, Matt. When someone becomes an expert, when others ask questions, they'll normally say it depends because there's so much nuances that's in your mind. Mm -hmm. So no, that's how I know you're an expert. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> it, man. Yeah. I mean, cause like, uh, let's say that uh you know we're we're doing it for you know someone who wants to have stronger hips you know then i'd say yeah if we want stronger hips then let's and and, and let's say stronger hips and knees uh then would we'll probably go somewhere along the lines of lunges um squats uh and and different variations of squats maybe uh Bul bulgarian split squats um you know, different variations of, of lunges, uh, RDLs, 
And so mm-hmm. like I, there would there would be more that would come to mind for that for that specification. But you, Matt, let, let's say that you had a complete noob come to you and say, okay, I want to look good. I want to impress girls and I want to also get a bit stronger. What exercises would you give him? Because I don't think most people know what their goals are that specifically, you know, like when I started, I would not tell you I want stronger glutes or something. I would say, okay, I want to look better. I want uh-huh. to be healthier and I want to, you know, be stronger. Well, it would well, be really general. Yeah, and, and the thing about a, a, a good coach is the good coach will be able to help you define what those goals would be. So I, I could ask you, like, okay, well, you say if you want to you, you be healthier and stronger, what does that mean to you? What are some body parts that you wish would look better? Um, you know, typically if I ask somebody that or a guy that who does, you know, want to look better, he's going to be like probably somewhere along the lines of, you know, I want, I want abs. Um, I want bigger arms or bigger shoulders. And then so when I when I am able to pull that out of the person and help them help them define what their goals are, then we have a better sense of direction that we want to go in. But uh, but you 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 said uh, the first question was what was it? I don't remember, but I do think that when I started going to the gym, I would tell you I would I don't care about legs. Because I just didn't know how important they were. Like someone who's coming to the gym for the first time, he thinks, okay, if I want to look good, I need bigger arms, I need abs, and I just need to lose some weight. But they don't realize that they also need to train legs, their back, their shoulders. So how do you say if someone says, okay, Matt, I want to look better, and I want you to give me a workout plan, so what would your standard routine be? Um. So I would probably, you know, if I was just doing like a generic routine, I would I'd first ask them, like, how many days a week do you want to dedicate to the gym? And let's say four. that four, let's say four. So I'd probably uh, give them maybe an upper body, lower body split. Um, and so we would have like a upper body day where we'd be doing, you know, exercises for back, chest, shoulders. So, you know, I'd probably have like a chest, I'd have a chest press in there. I'd have a, uh, a, a pull down in there. I'd have, a, I've had, a, I would have rows. I would have lateral raises. I'd have some type of shoulder press in there for an upper body day. And then for a lower body day, I'd have some type of press uh, for, for quads. Um, could be leg press, could be squats, uh, could be lunges. Uh, and then I'd have some type of uh, hinge movement. Um would probably be like, you know, good mornings or RDLs. Um, and then maybe even leg extensions and leg curls, uh, for, for the, for a lower body day. And then, uh, for the second set of upper body, lower body of that week, I'd probably just do a, a a different set and rep range so that they get the best of both worlds. So that's, that's probably some, somewhere along the lines of what I would do. What's your recommended rep range? Like someone who wants to look good, what is the rep range for hypertrophy, say? So what we found is that uh, the rep range best suited for hypertrophy isn't as limited as what we thought it was, where it was like 8 to 15 or whatever it was. Uh, It's actually more so from 6 to 30 reps. So as long as you are training in close proximity to failure, meaning 
you cannot do another rep with proper form, then you're going to grow pretty much. Um, and of course that we have to take volume into account as well there, uh, because there is a minimum effective volume that you have to reach, but then you also don't want to get into the junk volume range as well. So, uh, as far as like a single set is concerned, anywhere from six reps to 30 reps is typically where you want to end up. Do people ever come to you? Do people ever come to you, Matt? And is like, they're very straightforward. They'll say, I'll do whatever you need me to do in the gym. But when I'm out of the gym, I want to be able to eat whatever I want. Do they ever talk to you like that? Where they do want to be healthy, but they don't want to sacrifice their personal life too much. Uh, well, I haven't necessarily had anybody that said, hey, I want to be able to eat whatever I want. Um, because typically if they, they come to me and they say, hey, I want this specific result. I'll tell them exactly what they need to do in order to get that result. And typically that eliminates the whole eating whatever I want, whenever I want, and however much of it I want, you know. Um, and so uh, if they just want a training program, I mean, I could just give them a training program and not do the diet, you know. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but, but yeah, I, I typically do communicate the expectations to them like, hey, you know, this is what you're going to have to do if you, if you want this result. So I've, I've never really had uh, any, anybody come to me uh, with, with, you know, requiring those, you know, circumstances. Do you provide online coaching and where can people find you if you do? Oh, absolutely. I do. Um, and I've, I'm open for clients currently. So uh, you can either, you know, depending on what social media platform you're on, you can you can either reach me on uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, and, and, and TikTok under the username Matt underscore S underscore Stevens, and Stevens is with a PH, or you can email me at Matt at realmattstevens.com. Awesome. We'll have all the links in the, in the description. Matt, tell me what are the biggest nutrition mistakes people make? I see a lot of weird stuff going on on Twitter where everyone has a special diet, whether it's vegan or carnivore or carbs are the enemy and yeah, keto. Or So what are your experiences with these things? Oh, there's a, there's a ton of them. Um, you know, typically, I, I'd say one of the most common ones is where they're eating great throughout the entire week, but then the weekend hits and they, you know, start dropping all the habits that they kept throughout the week. And that's the reason why they're not seeing any results is because they're not doing everything on the weekend that they were doing throughout the week. So it's, in, it's inconsistent in that manner. Um, another one is like you mentioned, uh, where they eliminate carbs. Yeah. Uh, you, if you eliminate carbs, you're going to see results quick, but eventually they're going to slow down and they're going to stop because, uh, number one, the reason why you saw quick results like you did is because you, you didn't necessarily lose all that weight and fat. You lost it in water because carbs retain water, excuse me, in your muscles. So they, uh, they make your muscles look bigger because of the water that they pull into them. And so even, even when you do lose that weight, you, you kind of will look a little bit more deflated. Um, but it's not all fat. And so they think that they've lost all this weight and that that's progress. The scale is showing me that I've, I've lost 15 pounds in the last three weeks or whatever it is. 
but like I said, really it's, it's, it's mostly water and then it stops. And that's usually what people see is, uh, it, it, it cuts out. It, they, they, they lose momentum and then they're like, why is this not working anymore? It works so well at the start. And then they, then they reintroduce carbs again and they gain a lot of fat back because they start eating the way that they, that they did, uh, before they got started with their, with their diet. But also it, 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 uh, it, it kind of, it does, it doesn't give, it kind of takes away the intensity of their workouts because carbs are, they provide the, the preferred source of energy for our body. And so that's, that's one mistake that people make is eliminating carbs. And also, uh, I'd say eating, eating mostly processed foods. Uh, I think, uh, I would say at least 80% of your, your diet should be made up of whole foods, you know, nutritious whole foods. And most people want to eat, you know, things that are in packages that people that have uh, or things that have multiple ingredients in them, like let's say example, you know, for example, pop tarts, uh, and, and, and things like that, where it's, it's not, it's got a, it's got an ingredients list on it. You know, when you go eat, when you go get whole foods, they don't have an ingredients list on them. They're, that's just the food. If you get a steak, what's in the steak? Steak. Uh, if you get an apple, what's in the apple? Apple. What's in a potato? A potato. You don't need a, <laughs> a, an ingredients list. So food with little ingredients. Yeah, food, and it doesn't because it doesn't need one. So I'd say uh, uh, making sure that you're getting uh, enough nutrients through the food that you're that you're consuming. And how uh, do you yeah. define eighty percent? Like when you say have eighty percent of your diet through whole foods, is this by calories or number yeah. of meals, etc.? Yeah, calories. So eighty uh, percent of your calories, at least. I mean, ninety percent is even better because here's here's the thing: is you know having having you know, certain, certain processed foods isn't going to kill you, you know, and it's okay to have a treat every now and then. Like if you want a piece of pie, you know, uh, during the week, that's fine. Fit it, fit it into your diet. And as long as you're consuming mostly whole foods around it, it's totally fine for you to be able to have a treat for yourself. And so, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's calories is what I, what I base it off of. What's your take on protein? Because I hear some people like say like you need to get two times your body weight. Some people are like, no, you Ooh. need just 0.8. What's your take? Let's say I'm trying to bulk. I'm 185 right now. I want to get to 200. Matt, How much protein please, do I need? Please start this answer by mocking the people who say 0.8. Please. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, the thing is like it's it's really just comes down to simplification. So the reason why they're saying 0.8 is because Okay, so for, so for example, I go off of I go off of lean body mass. So lean body mass is your total weight minus your weight and fat. So it's all the lean body mass that you have in your body. So it's basically everything in your body that isn't fat. So let's say you're twenty percent body fat. Well, eighty percent of your weight is going to be lean. It's lean mass. So I'm going to take that lean mass and then multiply that times either. Uh, uh, it's going to be a range between 1.1 to 1.6. Wait, are we talking pounds or kilos? Pounds. Okay. Yeah, uh, kilos, I'd have to do kind of the math, the, the conversion there. Uh, and I know people who, I know it's I know it's frustrating uh, for, for either camps, you know, to, to try to do that conversion. <laughs> um, but, uh, but as far as pounds are concerned, 
I'm going to multiply from the range of either 1.1 to to 1.6, depending on how lean the person is. If you're 30% body fat, I'm probably going to do like 1.1. Um, and, and so that's going to give them less than one gram per pound of body weight. And the thing is about one gram per pound of body weight is that if you are obese, that's going to be very difficult for you. And you really don't need that much. Really what you want to consume that protein for is to maintain muscle mass. So why aren't, why don't we just use the muscle mass to base, to base our, our equation on, you know, mm-hmm. instead of all your weight, because the fat doesn't really count in that equation. And in, in, in my opinion, and I think what most other people believe as well. So we just take the fat out of the equation and go off a of lean body mass and use that. But Matt, doesn't lean body mass also have things like bone and cartilage, which is not muscle and skin? So yeah, how do you actually arrive at just muscle? Yeah, so it still requires amino acids and, uh, and, and protein. Um, for, for like amino acids and protein are involved in you know, hundreds of maybe thousands of processes in the body. And mm-hmm. so you still need protein for that to provide the amino acids for those metabolic functions. And so uh, even though it, it does count bone and, uh, you know, your, 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 your nervous system and your brain, all that still uses amino acids. So that's why we include that as well. Hmm. So what about on a cut? I've heard that you need to take more protein on a cut and that's been my experience, but tell me more about what you think. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, if you, it, it also, that also depends on how lean you are because someone who is leaner will probably require a little bit more protein than someone who's, you know, has a higher body fat percentage. So that's where the, I think that's where coaching kind of has a lot of its value or where the value in coaching comes in is because a coach can say, okay, here's the progress that we've made and here are the adjustments that we can make. And we do need to increase protein because a lot of people will question like, okay, well, how often or by how much do I need to increase protein by? And so all that depends. And that's where a coach can come in and say, okay, let's increase it by this much. Mm. What are your preferred sources of protein? Where do you get it? How much weight do you recommend consuming? How much, say, someone who's a vegetarian and someone who's a non-vegetarian? What are your recommendations? And feel free to mock vegans. That's allowed in our show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, uh, I I like to get a wide range of of protein sources because they all alter they all offer you know different nutrients. Uh, and so like if, if you can throw in a little bit throughout the week, uh, or, or different sources throughout the week, that's preferred. You know, I, I'd never just go and just, Oh, just chicken or just beef. Um, I think that you should throw some beef in. I think you should throw some chicken in. I think you should throw some, throw some, throw some fish in. And as far as whey protein is concerned, you know, that's supplemental protein. And even though it is, the most bioavailable source of protein you don't want to have whey protein at every meal because you know the the other sources like i said are going to provide nutrients that you wouldn't necessarily get with whey protein and uh and i'm i'm not talking about just micronutrients 
uh, you know, I'm talking about or, or specific types of micronutrients like phytonutrients, which come from uh, plants, uh, zoonutrients, which come from animals, and even micronutrients, which come from mushrooms. So uh, all of those have different benefits and provide resources to the body that you would be uh, hard pressed to get any, anywhere else. And so I like to throw in a mixture. You know how you said uh, deadlifts, eh, you, you don't really need it. What about vegetables? Do you need vegetables or can you just replace it with a multivitamin? Oh, well, yeah, that's a good question. No, uh, I think you absolutely do need vegetables because a multivitamin, one of the things that... So one of the I know you things, like them harsh. <laughs> one of the things that vegetables and, and fruits offer that multivitamins don't is fiber and different types of, of fiber. And the reason why fiber is important other than regulating your digestive system as far as like a, uh, you know, excrement uh, point is concerned, uh, but regulating your gut microbiome, which is extremely important to your well-being. Um, there's thousands, millions and billions of, of bacteria in your gut and there's there's multiple different kinds of them and so you can what what they what they feed off of are probiotics and probiotics feed off of prebiotics and prebiotics are found in fiber so when you give your body that fiber you you're you're helping the probiotics which is helping your your gut microbiome by feeding the the bacteria and helping to proliferate the the good bacteria that's beneficial to you. So if you don't give that fiber to your microbiome, you know it could throw things off potentially. You know you you could have uh, and there's good and bad bacteria, and it's very it's by the way it is very complex. So you could feed the bad bacteria and have an overgrowth of the bad bacteria, and then that's when you really start to see. Uh, some negative side effects, maybe bloating, gas, um, diarrhea, constipation. But even beyond that, a lot of people don't realize this, but depression, anxiety, even acne and, and multiple uh, health issues come from your gut and from an imbalance in your gut. And so your gut is extremely important. It's like when we talked about the spine earlier, the spine holds everything together. It's the same thing with your gut and all your systems. Your gut is where everything kind of originates. You know, uh, the nine, I think it's 95% of your serotonin is uh, secreted in your gut, not your brain. And so that's why they say when you're depressed, you know, it, it's not necessarily a, a, a chemical imbalance in your brain. That could have a lot to do with your gut, you know. And so uh, your gut is extremely important. So that, that fiber is definitely going to help to keep everything in balance. Was and that's the one harsh who tweeted out the gut is the second brain. That was not me, but I've heard that before. It has neuron cells and something like that. Yeah, hmm. it's got the second most amount of neurons, uh, a.k.a. brain cells behind your brain. And it's got serotonin receptors, dopamine receptors, all of that are in your gut as well. This your brain. What about vegetarians? What are the best sources of protein for vegetarians? So for vegetarians, uh, I would say 
things like like chickpeas, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, lentils, I think, are a decent source of, of protein. Even though you'd have to you'd have to consume a lot to get the amount that you need. Yeah, but there's a lot of calories though. Yeah, and and I I, I highly recommend uh, uh, vegans to get a plant based protein uh, supplement because that way you can get the supplement that you need in, in a day. You know, tofu. Um, what what else has a lot of, uh, or at least a decent amount of protein? You know, because you have like pea protein, you have soy protein that they could get. Was um, it paneer? Wait, paneer? what are your thoughts? On, please answer your question. We'll get on the soy topic too because you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, soy. Of course, you hear the whole term "soy boy" and things like that. And there, uh, there's there's a lot of controversy that surrounds that topic. And I honestly don't even. I can't even formulate an opinion on it just because of the amount of evidence that comes from both sides. And there's, there's evidence that has shown that it shows no effect on, on your hormones, but then there's other evidence uh, that, that shows, you know, otherwise. And so it's, it's a little bit difficult, but I, I would say that I probably lean more towards avoiding it, uh, as, as much as possible i don't think a little bit is gonna is gonna hurt you by any means i think soy uh can provide certain other nutrients that are, that are okay for you do, do i think consuming uh a lot of it is, is is a good idea no but also don't think consuming anything a lot of anything is is a good idea um and and the threshold of what is considered too much is different for everything but for soy it you know, how, how are you really going to determine how much is too much? And, uh, I, I think a little bit, a little bit of it is overblown. We have so many, so many other environmental factors that come into play as far as hormones are concerned. You know, uh, it's, it's not just limited to, to, to soy. And uh, I'm not, I'm not a fan of soy milk. Uh, I wouldn't drink it. I'm not interested in drinking it. I'm not, I'm not a fan of, of, of taking soy protein when I could just have whey protein, which is the most bioavailable form of protein there is. But if you're a vegan or a vegetarian, soy is probably one of the, the better choices for you. You know, you're, you're, you're limiting yourself anyway. So you're limited to it. Just as a side note, I've, I remember hearing this, that it's fine to have soy if it's fermented. That's how people originally had soy, like tofu. But how it's made in processed foods is that they don't ferment it. They just like ground it up. And that's the soy that's bad for you. Now, oh, of that's course, interesting. I, ha- I don't know how to verify this, but yeah, if you take tr- traditional cultures like Japan, they always ferment the soy before you can, you know, using it. Like the soy sauce is fermented, tofu mm. is fermented. But when companies use the soy to mass manufacture products, they use unfermented soy. They just use the raw bean, mm. which is like an anti-nutrient, which it prevents your body from absorbing a lot of other things. Wow. Okay. I, I, see, I hadn't heard that before. And so that, that, that could make sense because, uh, yeah, soy has been used for hundreds, of, if not thousands of years. And so uh, especially, you know, by the, by the Japanese and whatnot. So, you know, if, if, you know, look at them. I mean, they, you know, did they have a bunch of, you know, soy boys going around? I mean, you had the samurai, you know, like 
they consumed those were some of the the deadliest badass. men badass men ever to have existed and they consumed soy so you know there's something something doesn't add up there you know and so uh that that would make sense if there was something different that they were doing with their processing then then yeah uh that could be the case it could also be quantity you know they might just be eating very small amounts of soy we just don't know what japanese diets are like I, mm. at least i've never had japanese food i th- i've heard it involves a lot of fish though it's delicious <laughs> it's great <laughs> yeah it's got it's got a lot of fish sushi is one of my favorites man you like sushi i was literally just going to ask you you like sushi love sushi harsh we got to get you on sushi and and man, part of i that, am a vegetarian oh yeah wait but you could eat fish right or is that i've tried it but mm. i don't i prefer not to hmm. yeah uh and and that would that probably prevent you from 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 doing it but uh but no, i mean like part of me like i'm 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 half italian and so italians live right on the mediterranean they consume a lot of fish as well so that's probably one of the reasons why i enjoy it what's your take on alcohol that do you recommend cutting out wine beer liquor completely especially if you're trying to be serious about fitness yeah um and here's the thing is uh you know some people will bring up the argument that alcohol has some medicinal properties to it and it's like yeah but that's for certain ailments and that doesn't happen every week you know uh, that doesn't happen every night you don't need to crack open the wine bottle every night for medicinal purposes like give me a break you know you could abuse medicines and so mm-hmm. uh and and so uh here here's the thing about alcohol is is there's little there's little benefit there's little benefit to it it is a stressor number one and no number one is it's a toxin uh, and and you're putting a toxin in your body and your body once you once you introduce that toxin to it it's number one priority i mean it'll shove everything else to the side even even fat oxidation and and other metabol- metabolic functions as well to get rid of that toxin and so you 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 put you put fat loss on hold you put muscle protein synthesis on hold you put a lot of things on hold and you you knock your your hormones out of balance and you put a lot of stress on your body it ruins sleep i mean there's so many different things that alcohol does so many negative effects that alcohol has that yeah i i wouldn't recommend it at all i i don't i don't consume any of it uh just because of that like there's there's really no benefit you think you're you think when you go to sleep you, you or you think that when it helps you go to sleep at night that it's it's helping you sleep but it doesn't it 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 prevents you from falling into REM sleep which is the important sleep that you need to be getting and that just increases the amount of stress on your body which it also ruins your gut microbiome like we talked about and so there's so many there's so many negative negative side effects i think alcohol is one of the worst drugs out there and the fact that it's legal and you know something like marijuana or even you know mushrooms and, and things like that for medicinal purposes it blows my mind that that's not legal but alcohol is because you know I, and i, I don't want to like 
you know, people get DUIs or they kill people when they're driving drunk. I mean, it's just there's so many different things about it that is just it's it's a net negative in my opinion. Interesting. Do, do you ever have that one moment when you're, let's say, going to a wedding and it's one of those weekend weddings? And I know you just mentioned you're half Italian. I know the Italians love the sippy sip every now and then. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> do, do they do they try to convince you to drink? Especially okay, because so, of it's a wedding. So the only exception I will make is uh, occasional. So if it's a special event, that's the only time when I'll say, okay, yeah, I'll have some drinks. Like if, uh, like the last time, one of the last times I drank was when my brother got married back in November of last year. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll drink that night because it's a special event and, and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to do it like once a month, you know, uh, or, or that often. I'm, if, if it's a, I, I will only hold it for special events. You know, if, uh, if it's a Christmas dinner, you know, I'll have a glass of wine or, or, or with something with, with dinner you know, uh, with my family and things like that. So that's the only exception that I make for myself. Gotcha. Why does alcohol have seven calories? Like what does it actually contain? If you take fat, protein, carbs, protein has four calories a gram, carbs have four calories a gram, fat is nine. What's so special about alcohol that it's seven? And what exactly is the source of energy in it? Yeah, that's no, that's a that's a good question. Um, and that's the thing is, I I don't know if it's necessarily a, a source of energy rather than you know just wasteful. I, I don't know. You know, that's a good question. I've never really looked into it from that standpoint. Um, you know, because like I don't know what it would. I think it makes it it makes your body more susceptible to storing calories, but I, I honestly thought that the reason why they said seven calories per per fluid ounce was because it's in between four and nine, like you have four calories for fat or, or carbs and protein, and you have nine calories for fats. And usually, if you want to fit alcohol into your diet, you either want you either need to take calories away from fat or carbs. So I think seven was where they kind of put it in between where you could take away from both. But I, I could be I could be wrong. I, I, I need to look into that. Does that does that make sense? Not to me, to be honest. OK, so so. All right. Let's say that I'm dieting and I have a, a, a certain amount of calories that I can have within a day. Mm -hmm. So a certain amount of those calories are going to come from fats, carbs, and protein. So typically what we say is if you want to have alcohol, then substitute that for uh, carbs or fat. And so because uh, fat is, you know, nine calories and carbs are four, you know, you kind of have seven as an in-between point. So if you wanted to uh, take away calories from both, like, hey, I'll take half the amount of alcohol that I'm having away from fats and half of the amount of uh, uh, calories that I'm having from carbs and then put the alcohol in there. You know, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, because I guess there, there would still need to be calories coming from fat, but I just don't know what the, the, the like, you know what, what I mean? What the like, macro is. Yeah. Well, what your, the your macro body, is. 
because your body has to extract the calories from has to break down the calories into a simpler form. And I know that alcohol is broken down into like ethanol in, in your body, but your body doesn't necessarily use ethanol as fuel. Um, and so like, to me, the whole calorie, like where the calories come from, you know, I'll just, I'll have to look into that because like I said, it's, it's, it's a toxin. So your body isn't typically using it for, for fuel, you know? I'm not sure about that. I'm not so sure a, about that. Because, so a, uh, sorry, go ahead. What, what, uh, go ahead. I've heard that pirates, when they would go in lo on long voyages, they would carry a lot of rum with them and they would use the rum as a source of calories because rum wouldn't spoil on their trips. So they were actually living off the alcohol. And if they are living off of it, then I think it, it has some source of energy. I don't know how clean it is or how good it is for their health. But clearly you can live on it for some time. Yeesh. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm going to have to look into that because that to me that doesn't make it doesn't make much sense. But uh, I mean, it's, it, it's possible. But I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's interesting. I need to look into it. You mentioned that alcohol compromises sleep. How much sleep do you actually need to grow? Do you need to sleep extra or is six, seven, eight hours enough? And what exactly happens when you sleep? Because I've heard that you lose weight in your sleep and not when you're actually moving. Yeah. So, you know, the amount of required sleep is, is of course, person depend, dependent, but it, it usually falls within the range of seven to nine hours. And so a lot of people are undercutting that. And it's, I don't see how they did, how they do that. I was kind of forced to undercut it this weekend and I totally felt it six hours of sleep. I felt it, man. And, uh, I don't see how people do it, but, uh, you know, when you go to sleep, there's so many different things that happen. Your, your body de detoxifies itself. Um, it, uh, restores certain hormones. So your hormones balance back out. Uh, and that's multiple hormones, you know, uh, hunger hormones, uh, uh, I guess, uh, androgenic hormones, uh, such as testosterone, uh, your, you have your, your estrogen, uh, and the hunger hormones are like leptin and ghrelin and, and certain peptides and it, uh, it repairs different things. So, you know, muscle protein synthesis is still very active. You have an increase in, in human growth hormone. You have, uh, uh, an increase in, in insulin growth factor. And uh, it's super important to recovery. You know, if you want to recover, you've got to get your sleep. And that's where you make a lot of, that's where people make most of their um, progress is, is in sleep. And I think most of the weight that you lose in sleep is going to be water weight. Because a lot of times, like, I don't know how often y'all get up to go to the bathroom. I get up quite a bit to go to the bathroom at night. But also breathing. Your, your, your breath, you lose hydration through, through your breath. And so when you, when you see a drop in weight in the morning than what you were before you went to sleep, that's mostly why. And so that's why also why you got to get rehydrated in the morning when you wake up. And so uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but fat is when you, when you lose fat, when fat is oxidized, basically when it's used for, for energy in your body, the byproduct of that is carbon dioxide and that comes out of your breath. So 
you can actually measure that. There's certain ways to actually measure that and uh, to see, you know, if your body is utilizing uh, fat or carbs as an energy source in that moment. But typically, if you're in a parasympathetic state, which is what sleep was, would put you in. And uh, when I say parasympathetic, that's talking about your nervous system. You have your sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic nervous system, where your sympathetic nervous system is your fight or flight response. That's where your body switches on to either fight or flight, you know, when danger, when it senses danger or when a stress, when a stressor occurs and you're, it, it's a stress response basically is what the sympathetic nervous system is for. And your parasympathetic nervous system is the other end of the spectrum from sympathetic in that it's more of your rest and digest uh, uh, kind of a switch. So there's no danger present. There's, there's no stress present. You're relaxed. Your body is able to digest food and, and, and do, other, uh, do other processes processes to help your body recover in that moment. And it's good to have a balance of the two. Uh, you don't want to be, most people are uh, way heavier on the sympathetic side than they are the parasympathetic side in that they're always stressed out. And so when you go to sleep at night, sleep is parasympathetic, which is really good for recovery. And so you don't want to cut it short, especially if during the daytime you're in a very sympathetic state. So uh, sleep is... <laughs> It's crucial. It's pretty damn crucial. I just learned a lot about sleep. Do you recommend <laughs> napping or do you see, see no benefit to it? No, napping is great. Um, ho however, they have done studies where the, the, the time of the day that you nap matters. So statistically, and this is based off of those studies and, you know, I don't know exactly how well the studies were done and whatnot, but I'm going to trust that they were done well. But uh, if it's before 2 p.m., and this is assuming that you're going to bed at 8 and waking up at uh, maybe, you know, 6, 7, uh, anyway, or, or maybe even earlier than that, or going to bed at 9, anyway, if you, go, if you take a nap before 2 p.m., uh, that's okay. But they learned that anyone who took a nap after 2 p.m. had a difficult time that night getting into REM sleep. So like, mm -hmm. I, men like I mentioned before, the REM sleep is the, the important sleep that you want to get to. That's the stage of sleep that you want to be in and you want to spend a lot of time in because that is high-quality sleep. Mm -hmm. So when you take a nap, what they found is that if you take a nap after 2 p.m., and that's also why they say don't have caffeine uh, you know, after, after, I think it's after noon or, or 2 p.m. is because the caffeine will also prevent you either from one, falling in, falling asleep or getting into REM sleep. But as far as naps are concerned, after 2 p.m., what they found was that people had a difficult time falling, falling into REM sleep. Wow. So as you can tell from this conversation, Harsh Matt, being a bodybuilder requires a lot of work, a lot of variables that you have to align. Um, I was one time reading Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography. It's called Total Recall. Uh, do you know who Arnold Schwarzenegger is, Harsh? Yeah, I read his book, uh, the other one, The Education of a Bodybuilder. Right. So in his autobiography, Matt, he was talking about in the 60s, 70s, when bodybuilding was becoming on the rise, 
there was a negative perception regarding it where the masses didn't necessarily know about bodybuilding too much and they would have a lot of like oh these guys are freaks these guys are surprisingly like they would say homos like they'll keep calling them gay <laughs> that's what Arnold Schwarzenegger brings up in his biography so he was like I want to change the perception regarding bodybuilding and that's why he was making a splash in the 70s and he was saying that um, a lot of bodybuilders due to the discipline that it requires uh, end up becoming loners because a lot of them go in the gym at night uh, then you know they're training in the dark and by the time it's up for the show that's when they show themselves and arnold was able to capitalize on this matt because he was this extroverted personality who always wanted to be you know working out in the beach etc but would you say that the intense level of discipline that it requires to be a bodybuilder uh, can lead to a loner like tendency i don't know if it's the case nowadays but in the 70s there wasn't a huge bodybuilding community uh, but right. nowadays i mean how often do you really see bodybuilders? Yeah, I think the circumstances are a little bit different. I think just because the popularity wasn't to the level that it is today, of course, back then that, yeah, uh, you would you would be a loner just because of the, the lifestyle that it would that it required. And, and, and most people just they didn't understand. And, and you know, people were just kind of different back then. Um, but today you i think it's more of a of a cultural separation so you have people people because here's the thing you know 70 percent of the population in the states is they're obese or overweight they don't watch out for their health they don't give a damn about their health they'll go eat whatever the hell they want however much of it they want whenever the hell they want but with bodybuilders you have to be more disciplined like we like we mentioned so you're you're being more methodical in, in your approaches and you're abstaining from certain things that the average person isn't. And so uh, you it, it's just with with anything, you know, they say, uh, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. But it's, it's the same thing when it comes to health as well. If five of your friends are overweight or obese, chances are you're overweight or obese. And so hmm. you you. you you don't necessarily understand the other person as much. Like for me, I don't understand why people, you know, eat the the way that they look and, and have and they're they're okay, they're okay with having out of shape bar being out of shape and and unhealthy. And then they look at me and they don't understand why I don't eat whatever the hell I want whenever you know whenever the hell I want however much of it I want. So there's a there's a disconnect there, and I think it's it's more cultural and. You know, that's from, you know, traditions, uh, familial habits, meaning when you were a kid, what did your parents instill in you as far as habit is concerned? And, you know, there's there's multiple factors that, that come into play. But, uh, excuse me, for the most part, it's, like I said, it's, it's like a cultural separation. And, uh, you know, my mindset and, and, and all of that. So I think that's kind of where the disconnect comes in. Gotcha. Matt, is that a, how, is that, go ahead. I was going to say, does that answer your question? No, that answers it perfectly because I mean, well, you did bring up another good point that I wasn't even expecting where we do talk about, you are the average of your five best friends, but we don't really talk about the health side of that where a lot of the times when I'm going on a diet 
and my friends are like, hey, man, today's the Golden Corral day. <laughs> Let's go to the buffet. <laughs> I'm like, man, I can't do it. And if yeah. I do do it, they're trying to peer pressure. They'll be like, yes. come on, man, you're not going to, you're just going to be eating lean meats. I mean, they got meatloaf. They got all this other stuff. So that's an interesting point that you brought up. Yeah, uh, you're going to ask something, Harsh? To add on to what you said, that really does happen because I remember a few years ago when I actually learned about this calorie counting stuff, I would say cut 500 calories a day for five days. But on the weekend, I would have like a pizza or something, which is like 2000 calories with some garlic bread, whatever. And I would just reverse five days worth of a cut in one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was wondering why I'm not making any progress. Like, it's fine to have one cheat meal per week, right? And then when I when I started putting that in the app, I'm like, oh, so here is my mistake. I'm having 2,500 calories in one meal. Yeah. So you're right. So you can't mess up, especially if you have friends who encourage you to mess up. Even one meal can just ruin your week. Yeah, and that's typically what happens is, is you get that whole... Uh come on man come on you don't you don't have to live a little you know or or, or you don't have to do that and they'll, they'll convince you to because they don't want to be the only ones doing it and they see the, that what you're doing and I, they, they just want to pull you in you know and you know you want to pull them in but here's the thing the path of least resistance has the most influence typically so more than likely you are going to be the one who gets pulled in and that's why you just got to unfortunately just have to separate yourself from some people. Mm. Matt, does this work in reverse too? I've heard that a lot of people who are fitness influencers and into bodybuilding, they use a lot of steroids. So do you think there is an incentive to use steroids? There is peer pressure to use it? Why do people take it? And what percentage of people do you estimate actually use steroids on the internet? Uh, so there is probably maybe a cultural influence to, to, to utilize steroids. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I I think there's just, there's multiple factors that, that go into the influence of wanting to do steroids. Is it something that I think friends kind of peer pressure you into? No, I don't. Uh, no, you don't hear anybody saying, Oh, come on, man. Just, or at least I never have. Uh, because you, you don't get high, you know, like it's it's not, the, it's not the type of drug. It's not the type of drug where you're going to get high and party. It's it's the type of drug that just, you know, can help you you know get a little bit stronger and gain a little bit more muscle. And so uh, it's I think it's more so of maybe an insecurity in, in some guys where they don't feel like they're in the amount of shape that they need to be in. Uh, and they, they think it's going to provide a shortcut when in reality it, it doesn't. Uh, if, if you aren't doing everything within your power and when I, when I, what I, what I mean by that is, are you dieting correctly? Are you training? Are you recovering correctly? All of those factors that, that all go into it. Are you really doing as much as you can to get the results that you want? Or are you just trying to take a shortcut? Because I think that's what a lot of guys are trying to do. And they don't realize that it's not the shortcut they think it is. Hmm. I was watching this guy on YouTube and I, I'm sorry, I forget his name, but this is a very buff guy with a really, really high voice. He's an IFBB pro. And he was talking about this guy. Called, 
Yeah, that guy, that Dissert. guy, Greg Dissert, yeah. Yep. And he was talking about this other guy on YouTube who is called PewDiePie. And PewDiePie, this guy, yeah. this guy is apparently exposing people on the internet for, you know, saying that it was all hard work when it was really a lot of steroids. And apparently a lot of people, Which I think... Uh, PewDiePie. Oh, how did you... PewDiePie, right? PewDiePie so was the, the one that's doing the exposing. Yeah, he's he made a video essentially exposing a lot of fitness influencers. Like these guys are on steroids. Like no one can get these results in six weeks or eight weeks or whatever. And yeah, so what percentage of these fitness influencers are on steroids? And how do you actually know? Because I remember like this was many years ago. I, a girlfriend of mine was like, hey, why don't you look like that? And I'm like, I can't. Like, that's not possible unless I take steroids. And they just have no conception of what a steroid body and what a regular body looks like. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, there's there's really no way to tell just by looking. Uh, some, some guys really are just gifted genetically. And, uh, you know, some guys are lying. You know, some, some guys are, you know, claiming to be natty, natural, uh, and, and they're not. But the only real way to tell is, is through a blood blood test, a blood panel. And, you know, that's kind of a hard, it's kind of hard to you know, catch somebody and get them to get, you know, take their blood. So, so, uh, so yeah, like, uh, it, there's really no way to tell, but I, I believe there's, I believe it's pretty prevalent. Um, the only difference between like modern times and let's say you know 20 years ago in in the in the 2000s maybe maybe 2002 you know for exact there's more information today than there was back then and so you have the ability to do it in a much safer way today than you did back then because back then guys were taking advice from the dude they were getting in front of the gym like and who knows what the hell the advice that guy was giving people. You know, oh, you need to take this and this and this. And it's like, oh, you're ruining these people. You're really screwing around with your hormones, which have such a massive effect on every process in your body. And so to be reckless with that, it's just, it's stupid. And so um, it's so important to be educated and to learn how it's going to affect you and to, to mitigate those effects, the, the negative effects as best as possible if you're going to do it. Because, you know, if, if health is important to you, you want to take it seriously. And a lot of these guys are just, they're, they're, they're deciding to, to jump and in, take a jump into the deep end without doing their due diligence. What are your thoughts on TRT? I've heard it's really good, especially for older people. Yeah, so I think TRT is the future. Um, you know, I'm sure you've heard the statistic that within the last 40 years, average testosterone levels have tanked by 1% every year. And today, the average 21, I think it's 21-year-old 21 male's testosterone levels are the same as the average 65-year-old man in 2001. Like That's insane. Yeah, that's insane. And so you're having a lot of guys that are having low testosterone these days. And testosterone is so 
so important for men and women. And Why is it so low for men? All right, so there's multiple factors. Uh, I think environmental factors come into play. Like we have a lot of uh, endocrine disrupting uh, chemicals, EDCs in the environment. Uh, we we have a lot of stress. Everyone's really stressed out these days. This is a this is a stressed out culture, and those two have a massive effect on on testosterone levels, uh, nutrition, uh, activity level. Um, all of these play uh, a major role in influencing hormones. So I think having too high testosterone is safer than having too low testosterone. Um, you know, and that, that may be that I may just be jumping to conclusions, but I would rather have too high testosterone than have too low testosterone. Too low testosterone or you're miserable. You have no energy, you have no focus, you have no drive, you're depressed. But um, I think too high, you can kind of mitigate the effects a little better. So uh, I think TRT is super important, and I think not enough men are, are utilizing it. And I think a lot, of, a lot of men don't know how to get access to it, even though there's companies that have popped up everywhere that will you know, do it for what, like, like 20 bucks a month or something. I don't know what the, what, the, what the monthly expense is, but, man, I think guys should take advantage of that. Especially if your levels are low, you are missing out on a quality of life that, you know, it's just, why are you, why are you living with such a low quality of life when you can, when you can have this higher quality of life? It is really going to affect your quality of life to have normal or optimal testosterone levels. And it's the same thing with women too. So I don't know, I don't know if women have... Uh, lower testosterone levels than they, than they did, you know, 40 years ago or whatever. But it affects women in the same way. And yes, women have a, a much smaller amount of testosterone in, in their body, but they do need testosterone. And so if their testosterone is low, it's going to affect them in, in a similar way. I've heard a lot of women nowadays have PCOS and PCOD because of the same factors, the bad diet, the uh -huh. endocrine disruptors. But speaking of TRT, what is the process like? Do you have to inject it? Is it a pill you take? And what type of testosterone do you recommend? Is it ethanonate, cipionate, whatever? So there's, uh, there's, there's a few ways to administer it. Uh, you have some doctors that will prescribe a pellet. And... Uh, you have some doctors that will pre uh, prescribe a uh, topical ointment. And I, I just think the, the uh, intramuscular injections are, are the better way to go because you keep your serum, serum levels, you keep them steady. Um, I've, I've heard that the, the pellet doesn't keep your, your levels as steady. And I've also heard that the, the ointment doesn't either. So I've, I think the, the way to go is the intramuscular injection. And a lot of guys don't like needles and whatnot, but it's really not that big of a deal. It's really not that bad. It just takes some getting used to. Of course, you got to step outside of your comfort zone, as you do with anything, but it's so worth it. It is so worth it to feel better it, and, and, and to, to have more focus, to perform better at work, to to feel more, uh, be more attractive to, to, to women, to to keep a, a higher amount of muscle mass uh, to lose fat, you know, 
and and uh it's it's the thing that makes you a man you know that's the number one thing that makes you a man and so it's so important for 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 men to have that but those are the three main ways of administration and if you're going to do the intramuscular in, injections yeah you're probably the doctor's probably going to get you cipionate or inundate are there any Why? side effects side effects to trt mm -hmm. um uh, well, uh, it depends. It depends on the person because everyone kind of reacts uh, differently. So if if you aren't, you know, exercising and, and eating right, of course, uh, it, it could increase your uh, your hemoglobin and, and, and basically your uh, your blood count. So uh, your, your, when your blood count goes up, uh, you know, it could it could increase blood pressure. Um, it, it could make your blood a little bit thicker. And so if you're not exercising and doing your cardio and things like that, it can be kind of rough on your cardiovascular system. But TRT is, is putting your testosterone levels within optimal ranges. So it shouldn't be anything out of the ordinary. And you should be eating right, exercising, and so on and so forth anyway. So I think, I think the effects are, are, are very minimal. Um, it's only when you do a... Uh, super physiological amount of testosterone that you start seeing the negative effects. Hey Matt, if someone wanted super physiological amounts, would they need a, would they need a prescription, or could they just claim to identify as a man and then get it? I mean, uh, typically, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, typically, a lot of a lot of guys are getting it off the black market. Um, I, I think the majority the majority of guys, and so. Uh, you you just got to be careful about that because you don't know where it's coming from, uh, and and you would probably need to get it tested and and whatnot. Um, but it it would it would definitely help to have a, a prescription. It's just what doctor is going to prescribe that much to you, you know? See, I wonder if you could get two prescriptions from two different doctors and then just <laughs> DIY it. But you know, these are just jokes, and we don't mean them seriously. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. Harsh told me to. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the reason why I'm annoying. <laughs> <laughs> we'll blame it on. Uh, no, that Armani Talks guy was condoning it too. <laughs> no, I, there are. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, there are these little um, insights that can honestly change your life. And there was this one week, Matt, where I was working on one of those books and I was literally at my crib the entire week. Um, I left, but it wasn't too much. Um, and I felt awful. Like, I felt nauseous. And by the end of the week, you send out a newsletter which says, if you do not get sun for a certain amount of the day, then you're not going to feel good. There's actually physiological changes that are happening to you. And clearly, like, next week I was going to leave my crib. But that particular week, I was feeling awful. And then it started to click for me where... There are people from Florida that move to these places that's cold all the time. Yeah. The sun doesn't come out. And they'll, com yeah, they'll complain, uh, Harsh, or they'll be like, and I feel sick. I feel nauseous. And the traditional Bengali advice is just walk it off. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they're just like, no, no, like something actually feels wrong with me. And it's because they're not getting as much sun. So when I get sun, that's one of the things I do early in the morning now. It's part of my routine. 
I feel so energized for the rest of the day. No coffee, mm. none of that needed. And I feel for these guys that are li living in these areas um, that they don't get any sun. I mean, how do you even know something like that? Like, if you don't get sun, then you'll physically feel sick. Yeah, no, it's that's the thing is, uh, you know, you're you just don't know, you know, I mean, if you don't know you, if you don't know something, you can't do anything about it, you know? And so that's, that's why it's important for people to educate themselves on, uh, you know, health and, and, and wellness. Like you have, and there's so much that goes on in, in the body and there's so much to learn that I, I wish that doctors and, and other medical and health professionals we're more educated on on uh, prevention as well because mostly when you go to the doctor you're you're beyond you know repair you're you're at a point where you've surpassed uh the point where you can reverse things uh, naturally and now you need medication and and so sometimes not sometimes not you go in for a checkup and whatnot your maybe your blood pressure is a little high okay the doctor he could either he could do one of two things. He could either prescribe you a, a blood pressure medication, or he could tell you, "Hey, you need to get off your ass and start doing a little more cardio, start walking around more, and stop eating like crap." Mm -hmm. And a lot of doctors don't do. I don't think they do that enough. Uh, you know, of course, they talk about oh, don't eat high cholesterol foods, but there's so much more nuance than you know, don't eat red meat. You know, and the red meat isn't unhealthy. It's it can be healthy. Uh, but but uh, I've, I've always heard that the level of nutrition education that doctors get is very minimal, and mm -hmm. that's not good. Uh, here's here's the here's what I've heard about Western medicine versus Eastern medicine is uh, Eastern medicine treats the root cause, Western medicine treats the symptoms. Mm -hmm. So well. we we attack the symptoms where what we really need to do is we need to attack the root cause. And I think a lot of people are their own worst enemies in that as well is if they do have a doctor that does try to tell them, Hey, you need to start do start doing this and this and this, and it'll correct that people don't want to do it. They don't want to change their lifestyles and they're willing to die to keep their lifestyle. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Well, a, a big part of it is with the mindset. I mean, that's where a lot of the root causes happen. And I'm sure you deal with this where people could physically do the act, but that doesn't mean that they're going to have the consistency to do it even when you're not there. Mm -hmm. And I told Harsh this story a, a few episodes back where I have this one buddy who whenever he's um, his dream goal is to get to 175. Anytime he's getting close to it, let's say he'll start off at 225. He's coming down to 215, 205. He's lowering. He's getting very close to that 175. Suddenly, what happens is he's like, uh, I've been doing so good. I need a cheat meal. So he'll go to checkers uh, for the entire week. He doesn't have a cheat meal. He has a cheat week. Oh. And that week turns into another week. And right when he was on the verge of hitting 175, he balloons back up to 235. And it's been happening for... I would say five plus years since I've been knowing him. Wow. See, if he was lifting heavy during the stuff, he would be really jacked right now after so many <laughs> cotton cycles. Yeah. Cotton I mean, cycles, sorry. Because he was um 
You ever heard of P90X, Matt? Yeah. So this was in 2009. Him and his brother were always doing P90X and getting fatter. And we're like, well, what is this P90X thing? It definitely doesn't work because these two brothers, they kept tweeting that they were doing the workouts. They were like sharing their goals with everyone. So people in their mind were like, well, these guys are working out so hard. They should be losing a lot of weight. And then after the summer, they're getting fatter. Uh, So (laughs) our perception was, P90X is that workout that makes you fatter. (laughs) So one summer I got hyper curious and one of the brothers stopped doing P90X. The other brother needed a workout partner. He asked me, he's like, hey, do you want to do this with me? And he had all the equipment. He had the program. I said, sure, I could dedicate 90 days to this. I did it. And this is the same guy that keeps having that mental block with 175. He's amazing at the working out part. He'll keep pushing me to keep on going but he keeps messing up the diet part. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I was like, no wonder these guys are getting fatter from P90X. It's not the program that's the issue. It's their discipline that's the issue. Yeah, the diet. Yeah, so a lot of it comes back to the mind. I mean, what is the Absolutely. root cause? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and, and and here's the thing that, you know, I'm, I'm coming to the conclusion that there's no, like, and everyone is looking for that hack, that one thing that is going to just change everything. But they, they, they don't want to face the reality that it's tough and you just got to force yourself to do it. Like, there's nothing that's going to make that easier. And that's the harsh reality of it is it sucks and you just got to make yourself do it even when you don't want to. And that is the whole thing about discipline. There's no type of realization or uh, uh, revelation that you can have that is just going to make you go do it. You just got to do it. And Mm -hmm. you've got to continue to do it every day as difficult as it is. And that's what's so difficult. That's That's what sucks about life in general is that change is difficult. Your body doesn't want to change. It's not necessarily your mind. You and your mind, you want to change. You you want you want something different, but it's your body that doesn't want to get out of homeostasis. And that's what your comfort zone is. Your comfort zone is homeostasis, and your body will fight to keep you in homeostasis. So when you step outside of that boundary, then your body's like, uh-uh, come back here. So come let's back. say that, Yeah, you want to start getting up at 5 a.m. to go lift, whereas you've been waking up at 7 and going straight to work and then going to the gym after you go to work. Well, you try to get up at 5 a.m. and it just sucks, you know. It's going to suck for maybe the first week or two. Then your body's going to start getting used to it. Then you start noticing you're waking up earlier on the weekends because you wake up earlier during the weekday. And – you notice that it, it gets easier. You it becomes more automatic when you when you get up early in the morning. But at first it sucks. You just gotta force yourself to do it. And that's where people, like I said, that's where people just they don't want to accept that that is the reality of things. It, it's just I gotta make myself do it as much as my body doesn't want me to. So when it comes to the the diet, that craving hits, that craving for that checkers that, that hits that guy. The reality is that there's nothing that's going to stop that craving or make that craving easier to deal with other other than, of course, make it maybe making the diet a little bit more sustainable. However, that 
you know, there's there's a few variables that we can take care of there. But let's say all of that is done and the craving comes for, for checkers. The, the reality is that there's nothing that's going to stop that craving. It's just he's just going to have to battle it. But here's here's the thing. Uh, the more you abstain from that 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 cheat meal, the easier it gets to abstain from it because your body is expanding that comfort zone. So if you could just get past those first few cravings when they hit, then they become less and less potent as you move forward. And that's just how your body adapts. Uh, and, and it's like, like I said, it's, it's not more so the mind than it is the body. Cause like I said, your, your mind in your mind, you want, you don't want to do that. You don't want to, uh, you know, cheat on your diet, but your body is the one that's saying, you know, one bite is okay, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and things like that. So th- the body is, do, and that's that's kind of the battle uh, throughout your entire life is your mind fighting your body, you know, and you just, you got to have, you just got to force yourself. You got to fight. That's what it is. It's a fight. Matt, but there are ways where you can, say, have some cheat meals every once in a while while keeping the damage minimal and, you know, retaining your sanity. And I'm sure you must have discovered some of them. So what ways do you do you use to actually cheat a bit while not, like, you know, doing the mistake that I was doing a couple of years ago that was reversing an entire week's worth of progress for a pizza? So for, I can, I'll give you an example of, you know, what I'm asking you for example you know if i'm going to have a cheat meal i'll increase my steps from 10k to 15k and maybe get a subway or something which doesn't have a ton of calories like one sub is like three four hundred so i can have two subs and it's a cheat meal yeah so yeah no that's that's uh and 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 that's that's the reason why a lot of fitness professionals aren't big fans of cheat meals because we never want to encourage cheating Cheating is not good, no matter the way you look at it. And what we've done instead is we've created what we call refeed meals. And the I'd say that the difference between a cheat meal and a refeed meal is a refeed meal is controlled. It's methodical. And you know exactly how much you're getting and what you're getting. With a, with a, with a cheat meal, you're throwing everything out the window and eating that meal no matter what. And the problem with that is that cheat meal could be the trigger that sets off that week of reversing, you know? So you want to avoid anything that is going to trigger that, you know, like, uh, for example, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of flexible dieting, but when, when it fits your macros first came out, maybe back in like 2015, 2014, whenever it was, I started doing it and I was trying to fit things into my diet, like pop tarts and, and, and Nutella and things like that, because it did fit my macros. The problem was that when my calories were, were lowered, it was difficult for me to fit those things in. So, for example, Nutella, love Nutella. I'm, a, I'm Italian. I love my Nutella, but I, I can't have it because if I just have one serving, I can't just have one serving of it. You know, I got to have more. I got to indulge. So I have to leave it on the shelf at the grocery store. I would try to fit uh, a t- one tablespoon of it into my diet, and it was just a tease. It's like, no, I gotta have, I gotta have more of it. So You're blue balls by Nutella. Yeah, and, and so it would, <laughs> yeah, and so it would, uh, it would set off, you know, 
a, a, a damn, you know, massive overblown cheat meal where I have just tablespoons of it. And when that jar of Nutella was gone, it was like, okay, I can't have this anymore. I, I, I can't even buy it. Don't even bring it into your house. Don't, don't pull it into your environment. Control your environment. Control the controllables. So it's, it's all about eliminating those chances for you. And that's, that's uh, part of being your own best teammate, being your own best friend and looking out for yourself is control the controllables and don't set yourself up for failure. Me having a jar of Nutella in the, in the pantry was setting myself up for failure. So what I had to do is I had to just walk past. I couldn't even think about getting it at the grocery store. Just leave it there. If it's out of reach, if, if it's not easy to access, then I'm not going to have it, you know? Um, if I put as many obstacles in the way to get to it as I can, I'm not going to cheat. So it's, it's, it's setting yourself up for success in that way. You know, I noticed that the the easiest way I found to deal with cravings was essentially to eat something else in the sense that when you're hungry, you crave yep. a lot of junk. But if you eat something like a cucumber or something that has like no calories, but has a lot of volume, like popcorn, you kind of stop craving it. And usually the cravings are for high carb foods and high fat foods. So Typically, it's like you're very depleted and you need carbs. And this is a body asking for carbs. So you could have a banana or something and the craving would disappear. Yeah. No, that's 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 uh, that, that's partly what the refeed is, is we're avoiding we're avoiding the, that, that trigger. So if it's that trigger food that's going to set off, uh, you know, a cascade of cheat meals that just sets off sets up that that week of, of reversing all the progress that you made that's the meal that we want to avoid so instead substitute it for something that's smarter so instead of going out to have a, a, a pizza uh, maybe grill yourself a steak you know something that's still going to satisfy the craving but it's not going to ruin everything and and you also like i said it sucks it's gotta be hard so even though you really want that pizza, have that steak instead. And the next time you have the craving for that pizza, it won't be that bad. And then the next time after that will be even less. And then the next time after that, and it'll become, we're just like, it's, it's, it doesn't even bother you. You know, I, I don't want pizza. I don't care to have pizza. It's been so long since I've had it that there's no craving anymore. So that's where you want to get to. You know, speaking of pizza, you know how everyone likes pizza, right? Yeah. But that's not actually true. And I discovered this by accident. I'll tell you a bit of my background. So my father used to be a farmer in rural India. And after I was born, we moved to the city. So I had the privilege of growing up in the city, going to an English medium school, etc. So that's how I learned English. And I kind of grew up in the city eating some Western food. So I kind of had access to pizzas, burgers, etc. Yeah. As a kid, and I liked them. But when I have my brothers and sisters visit me from my village and I took them out to have pizzas, they hated it. Like They were like, what the hell is this? This tastes like garbage and chemical. So really? for their tongue, they couldn't handle a burger. They're like, there's something weird about it, something very chemically. And it's too strong in taste. I don't like it. And they had one bite of pizza and left it. 
and this was like maybe 10 years ago so i was like glad okay i'll have your pizza still <laughs> more food for <laughs> <But> you <laughs> i was shocked to see that unless you grow up eating these junk foods you don't really like the taste yeah yeah no yeah. no that's that's the thing too is uh um it's not palatable because you weren't introduced to it at, at an earlier age i mean and it's it's different for for certain things i mean uh uh recently who was i think it was it was a friend of mine who had never tried raw oysters before and he was willing to give it a shot and though even though he's never had them before he loved them and so you're you're kind of taking a chance um by, by doing that but also there's different kinds of pizza so it could be the certain toppings that they didn't like and what not so uh no it was just a regular double cheese pizza because this was a time so even i didn't like toppings but they didn't like any of these fast food items they couldn't stand pizzas they couldn't stand burgers wow and it was just the strong flavors in them it was yeah. just too overwhelming and Maybe. i can like, kind of attest to it sorry go ahead well what well, i what i've noticed as well is that like pizza that's made by uh or made in america is different than pizza made in italy so it could have to do with the way that it's made and the like the, the the not the, the maybe the quality of ingredients could be this was domino's pizza so oh yeah. god yeah no <laughs> they need, they need like actual domino's. authentic <laughs> italian pizza <laughs> the reverse is also true whenever uh, in my last job i would take my uh, white coworkers to indian food they'd be like ew man this is too strong for me it's too spicy I'm like man you haven't even eaten the spicy food yet this is just uh, <laughs> like oh tangy so no i mean i never thought about it like that harsh where if you're from different parts of the world what is considered a delicacy for one person someone else may hate and vice versa hey but you mind bring white people in this because their food is like tasteless yeah. like mashed <laughs> potatoes and crap like that come on man have you not heard of chili man. I love mashed potatoes. You need to come to the <laughs> south and have mashed potatoes. <laughs> We make them different down here. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. What do you do differently? Butter. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to stop by Alabama one of these days, Matt. That's one of the places I've never thought to visit, but yeah. I know at least one person there, so we'll definitely stop by. If come you're ever by, in Tampa, man. if you're ever in Tampa, hit me up. Uh, I believe you need to this is the time where you need to start getting to go, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think now's about the time. Matt, where can people find you and tell us a bit more about your products and your website and your training programs etc. Yeah, so uh if you want to find me the easiest place to to get access to to my content of course is going to be social media so that the main platforms that I'm on are Uh, Instagram, Twitter and and TikTok uh all under the same username uh matt_s_stevens and Stevens is with a ph. Uh I also have a website realmattstevens.com where you can look at the different programs that I offer. You know, I have fat loss programs, I have muscle building programs, I have a diet guide, uh and I also uh, offer coaching as well and if if you want to inquire about coaching all you have to do is contact me so you can either message me on Twitter or Instagram or email me at matt@realmattstevens.com and I'll be happy to you know provide the information uh to you to you there 
Awesome. And for our female audience, can you tell us where your OnlyFans is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I actually was reached out to by a foreign <laughs> Uh, at, at OnlyFans, but uh, he w- he was trying to, you know, because because OnlyFans was was originally for uh, content creators, and it just got overtaken by thoughts, and so now it has this stigma surrounding it, and they're trying to rid themselves of it. But I think the cat's already out of the bag on that. One, my know? barber told me that, like after he cut my hair one time, he's like, "Hey man, you should subscribe to my OnlyFans." I'm like, you're what? Like, <laughs> I paint. You said you wanted to see my paintings. I'm like, I thought OnlyFans would. Never mind. I just ran out of there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, you thing. never know. You know, maybe he was just, he was shocked that you weren't like into OnlyFans. And this was his way of covering up. <laughs> what were you talking about to that barber, man? <laughs> No, and that's hey. that's what that's what happened. I mean, imagine one day, Harsh, that Gumroad is overtaken by uh, just strippers and ad- adult yeah. content. Hey, I'm a hire a stripper and then like make her do Gumroad content, then like be the Gumroad king, <laughs> <laughs> like new stripper every week on my Gumroad course. <laughs> Matt, give us a double buy, suppose. There you go. Big, I like it. He's so jacked. <laughs> I know what I'm doing for That's the rest of the year. Amazing. I'm about to, get, I'm about to get on my bulk grind. Awesome episode, Matt. I appreciate you for joining. You dropped so much tips on sleeping, eating your vegetables, and easing out deadlifts in the near future. Um, and thank you. Uh, we definitely love to have you back in the near future. Uh, great episode. Awesome. Yeah, brother. Good Thanks, to sir. talk to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Finally, great to, to talk with you as well, Harsh. And it was good to talk with you again, Armani. I appreciate y'all having me on here. And I think it's a great thing of what y'all got going on. So definitely keep it up. And I'd love to come back. Appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, brother. Have a great day. Go ahead. You were saying something. No, I was going to say, I'll talk to y'all next time. Y'all have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Man, that was a good guest. I liked having him on. Interesting guest, man. I mean, Matt and I, Harsh, we actually started talking after me and you got introduced. Um, mm-hmm. And from the, you know, when you click with someone where you guys speak the same language, what they're doing in their field, you're doing in their field. Um, that's the kind of chemistry that we had. And it seemed as though that you two got along as well. He's a really cool guy. I love how jacked he is. That's crazy. Do you ever plan to take your bulking to that level or do you have a certain cutoff point? Nah, man. I kind of screwed up my last bulk where I did so much of it that my body fat percentage was like through the roof. And now I'm just in the process of cutting and you know how hard it can be to cut a lot of weight. So How yeah, much are you at now? At I'm at 90, 91. 91. Little conversion for 200 pounds, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably right now at 20 percent or 19, mm-hmm. but I gotta lose maybe seven, eight more kg at least. Do you do you notice yourself having that ideal weight where people are just giving you a lot of compliments? The thing is that I don't look fat even right now, people give me compliments. It's just that when I take my shirt off, I can see the fat. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I would ideally like to have more muscle. So yeah, I, I kind of got compliments even when I was at 102. But those were mostly compliments from guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. There was this one period harsh where I was 215 and non-stop guys were just coming up to me they're like oh man bro what's good man how much you lift they give me all these props and girls were looking at me like ew <laughs> <laughs> and there was a period where i was i would say 175 to 180 and guys were cracking on me they were like oh look at you man you're so little and girls were like hi so <laughs> i mean it, it's confusing to you know when you're actually being in that point where harsh they're trying to give you advice and you don't know who's advice to take how much of lifting and bodybuilding do you think you need to be introspective for wouldn't you say it really comes back to you what you want see if you want women you need to be shredded cut you know lower body fat if you want to impress men you need to be stronger bigger etc and of course you need to be strong and big to impress women too but women will prefer someone who is more ripped than someone who is bigger and stronger like there is a cut off where big is too big for women and this thing doesn't exist for men like the bigger is better for men as far as men are concerned so i would say there's a dichotomy there it depends on the person's goals though i will say most people lift weights to look good and yeah for them lower body fat is better than high body fat high strength mhm like you, most guys do not want to look like a pehlwan like do you know what that is mhm let me show you a picture one sec what you said was a pehlwan hindi word it's a hindi word okay it's like a big guy who's strong but there is enough fat in them that they have very little definition So they have a belly. Yeah, they have a belly usually. Mm-hmm. At least the ones I've seen they have a belly. Let me send you a picture of what I mean. Okay, one sec. So I'm googling it. You know what my ideal body type is? What is it? Um you probably never heard of him. Um have you ever heard of Michael Phelps, the swimmer? Yeah, I I I'm aware of him. He wins a ton of medals. Yes, when I tell guys that they'll be like, "Oh, he's too skinny. He's not big enough." But I like that frame because it's linky. Okay, I got your picture. Uh, the guy's name is Gama Pehlwan. Okay, yeah. I mean, I could see why certain people would like this body, but that is not my goal at all. Yeah, women are not into this. But men men love the shit. Like this is like big and strong, you know. Mhm. but women are like uh like you know too much fat and not cut enough like women would look at this guy and say if he was wearing a shirt that this guy's fat yeah it's a lot like content isn't it harsh where have you ever heard of this guy named coach cory wayne i have not what were so many people using the word coach now so he was one of the first guys to do it harsh because he started making youtube videos when youtube was just coming out and his his only strategy was to talk into a camera and that's it and since then he has tons and tons of videos and he makes uh, i i read from an article he makes $250,000 in ad revenue from his backlog nice. 
right? Nice. But here's the thing. Like, I'll sometimes, like, let's say one of my friends is going through a breakup. I'll send his channel to them, and they'll be like, yeah, I liked his video and everything, man, but uh, he, he there's no cutscenes or anything. It's just him talking to a camera. I'm like, that's what I like about it. Because <laughs> let, let's say you're going through a breakup. Let's say a divorce. He has a lot of content for that. I don't want to see this coach from multiple different angles, like one jump cutscene after the next, after the next. But the younger generation uh, prefers that. So it's like, if you're a content creator, and now you're in that pickle where you're like, okay, do I stick with the roots or do I try to bring in this new audience base and up my production costs some more? Uh, I checked out the coach Corey Wayne's channel recently, and it's still the same exact formula. He literally sits on his butt, gives advice, turns the camera off, and uploads the video. And he's one of the most consistent dudes I've ever seen. Man, I can say one thing, though. If it's not broken, don't fix it. Mm -hmm. So if it's working for him, it's working for him. But if it stops working, then he needs to change something. Right. Yes, 3,264 videos now. So I'm sure... How his... many subscribers does, it ha does he have? 476,000. Yeah, not bad. It's much easier to get subscribers on YouTube if you produce a lot of content than it is on any other platform. And YouTube, incidentally, also has the least, you could say, monetizable audience, you could say. Like, it's much better to have 100,000 followers on Twitter than to have a million YouTube subscribers. Mm -hmm. Because YouTubers are typically you know, a bunch of people who are just there to be entertained and they are, they, they, they will never purchase anything. It, it's just, it's very hard to make money from YouTube than it is to make money from Twitter or Instagram. At least this is what I've heard and this has kind of been my experience as well. Unless, of course, your niche itself is about making money. In that case, you can make money from YouTube too. Mm-hmm. Do you, Harsh, ever get any advice that uh, from respectable sources that is polarizing for you? Because recently on Twitter, I saw you a quote retweet this guy who was asking if you're ever going to do a face reveal. I mean, that seems like a polarized advice or even a question because, I mean, right now you're doing good without showing your face. Like, why would you need to show your face? Have you ever thought about it? I mean, what See, happens in your mind? The difference between me and a lot of other influencers is that I'm not an influencer. I just like writing. I communicate when I have things to say. And this is not my source of income. I don't do LMM for a living. Like mm -hmm. if LMM didn't exist, I'll be just fine. This is something I do for fun and to teach people, help people out. I am not someone who just, you know, spends their entire day trying to figure out how to like, you know, produce more content, dance on Instagram, etc. <laughs> so I have different I hate goals. That phrase influencer, don't you? Yeah, I don't I don't like it either. Like I'm an artist, I'm not an influencer. I love that phrase, artist or engineer. Where I went to this networking event three months ago and we all had to put our titles on our chest. So I was trying to explain what I did and they were just like influencer. I was like you know, so I was just like, now put coach or something like that. <laughs> just because most of the people here in this meeting was 50 years old. So you can't go too niche into what you do. 
So they're like influencer, right? Influencer. I'm like, man, I hate that phrase. <laughs> I hate the word blogger too, you know. Blogger out of like, mind. See, blogger takes away, you know, the, what do you call it? The prestige of writing. Where you sound like a generic guy who's just like producing content like a mill. Mm-hmm. Instead of actually communicating something of value. Like it takes that away from me. I just like the term artist or writer or something like that. Way more than blogger, influencer. Especially when you when you get called an influencer, you are essentially lumped into the same category as people who are dancing on TikTok. Like that's mm. the, that, that's not what I'm doing. Yeah. So I don't see an advantage of for showing my face. Like I don't see what I would get out of it. Like the only people who are like show your face, show your, show your face, are essentially people who are, you know, these like random people on the internet, and they're like really mad for some reason at everything, and. For them, it's like really important that you show your face. Like, what difference would it make? Like, it, would it change anything that I say? Mm-hmm. Where, like, what, what would that change? So, I think it's just virtue signaling or some way to cre- question your credibility, even though it's like you are the one following me. If you think it's important for you that someone shows their face, then just click unfollow. Mm-hmm. And it's not like someone showing their face is like, it, it doesn't increase the likelihood of honesty. For example, every single politician out there shows their face to every single person in the world. And we know that they are the least honest people out there. So <laughs> I will say that there's an element of low IQ and, you know, some amount of virtue signaling on people's part when they're like, "What well, you're not right because I can't see your face. Like, Satoshi is anonymous, right? And that's just how it is. So you got to use your own brains and not just trust people because they're showing their face. I can go ahead. Well, I was going to ask where you said right now, uh, it's a lot of these angry guys that are giving you that, you know, command, like show your face, show your face. Has there been any account that you respect that's like, hey, now it's time to show your face? Yeah, a lot of people have said that. But the thing is that usually these guys are under the misconception that this is what I do for a living. Right. And it's not. Mm-hmm. That's so, the toughest part. When you're get, getting advice from just haters, it, it's whatever. It's like, all right, man, I mean, uh, just keep moving. The difficulty arises when it's someone that you respect and they're giving you certain advice and you agree with them on so many other parts of life. And now you're second guessing yourself see i don't think that that's that's a bad thing in the sense that you will never see eye to eye with everyone and yeah you have different life experiences different ways of thinking and you will never agree with anyone a hundred percent so that's to be expected i will say that i haven't heard a logical reason outside of increasing trust for showing your face on the internet. Like it just doesn't feel worth it to me at this moment. Like it's just Mm -hmm. inviting a lot of negative attention into your actual life. And it takes away the freedom of, you know, doing what you want without being observed. For example, if I make a mistake in real life, let's say that I get into a fight, it doesn't become a thing on YouTube. Like people just forget two random guys who got in a fight. Mm-hmm. But when you're popular, then you got to watch your steps. you got to watch what you say. You can't have mistakes that are public. 
and you know so it's better to be annoyed you live a happier life i will say that in my opinion at least yeah and this is where it comes back to you have to know thyself where have you ever heard of this guy named Piers morgan uh the name rings like the name sounds familiar does he work at the bank the jp morgan bank Nah. Uh, so he's this uh, British journalist. Uh, he came to the U.S. He made a lot of noise in the U.S. for being this uh, provocative journalist. And he did this in-depth interview recently where he talked about ever since he was a little kid, he wanted to be famous. He said that when he was a little kid, instead of visualizing, he'd get pieces of paper and practice giving autographs. And <laughs> as I'm hearing this, I'm like, this literally sounds like a nightmare to me. I don't want to leave my uh, place and I'm getting swarmed by paparazzi, uh, signing autographs, etc. Uh, but this guy, like that's his goal. Like that's what he wants to do for the rest of his life. He chased his goal. And in some ways, I mean, you could say he's successful uh, depending on the goal that he set for himself. But you ask a guy like me, I would say you chasing fame, that's not a worthy goal in my eyes. Uh, so it's not as though that uh, his goal is useless because I, I'm just another guy, right? It just goes on to show that everyone's different, where your philosophy is like, I'm not even trying to become famous in the first place because I enjoy my freedom a lot. And then there's this other guy who's like, I want to become famous. So you also have to understand who you're taking advice from and what their goal is. What is the operating system that they are moving with? See, I'll, I'll tell you what, I have some friends who are actually celebrities here in India mm -hmm. and they don't, they like the money, but they don't actually like the lifestyle in the sense that they can't go out to a lot of places, like a lot of like good food, cheap places, and they can't actually have fun like normal people because of the fact that they're celebrities and people crowd around them. So if you're out with them, random people will show up and ask for a sign or something and they have to get up from the mail take a sign and you know give the person this you know signature take a photo with them and imagine doing that repeatedly while you're eating you will just you just can't go to a you know any restaurant you want to you have to like stick to extremely expensive places and it just takes away a lot of options in life and for example recently on sunday i was trekking and i was trekking for about 8 or 9 hours i met a lot of new people if I was a celebrity, I would get so annoyed in my trek if people kept asking me to take photos with them. Like that would take the pleasure out of trekking. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of these people who are famous, but they don't enjoy being famous. And some of these people did dream about being famous as a kid because they were naive and they thought fame equals more money, which it does. But you just don't know the downside of this stuff until you actually see it. I'll tell you a real life story. So for the most part, anyone who follows Armani Talks, uh, for the, like the bigger picture, they're highly decentralized. So there's people in Africa, there's people in Australia, in India, etc. So when I leave my crib, I'm not getting swarmed by paparazzi or anything like that. I enjoy that. I'm a low-key private sort of individual. What happens, though, is anytime I'm going to an event that's centralized, let's say a wedding, and one of my fraternity brothers watches my YouTube videos. He begins telling everyone 
in the wedding. <laughs> they're like, oh, you, you you don't know Armani? Like, he gives public speaking advice. He gives advice on how to become a better writer, etc. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to go to the wedding so I could chill and enjoy myself. <laughs> and literally, dude, I'm going into the wedding and a bunch of these bridesmaids and grooms are coming to me. They're like, I'm so nervous before my speech. Uh, give me a pep talk. I'm like, dude, man, I'm, I'm literally just uh, trying to enjoy myself. <laughs> so I'm giving them a pep talk. And then later on, they're watching my YouTube channel. Uh, by the way, subscribe, Armani Talks. And uh, they're like, wow, I, I hold you to a, such a high regards. I mean, this is great advice. And I could see why certain individuals like that. And I still appreciate that. But I could also see how it could get annoying where – you're just trying to unwind. I'm not anyone's idol. I'm not anyone's uh, like role model or anything like that. I'm just a guy that's trying to uh, report on my experiences, share it, and I'm just trying to chill. Where when you're too famous, others are viewing you in that high regard where if you trip, they'll be like, oh, you never tripped in the movies. And it's like, <laughs> dude, I, I, I'm a, a person too. I, I'm not this perfect guy. So... Because there's a bunch of celebrities that live in uh, the Tampa area. And there's this world wrestling entertainment wrestler named uh, Batista. Have you heard of him? I have heard of a gaming company by the same name. So Batista was big. I mean, right after The Rock left and John Cena, uh, uh, John Cena and Batista were big. One day I'm about to get a haircut and I see this big guy getting a haircut. And I go to the barber and I'm like, yo, is that Batista? He's like, yeah, that's Batista. So like an idiot, I'm about to walk up to Batista and ask him for a picture. And the barber pulls me to the side and he's like, listen, this guy is always getting swarmed with paparazzi and stuff. His haircut is his personal time. If you want to get the picture, I guarantee you, your likelihood would increase if you just wait until his haircut is done. He gave me such common sense advice. And I'm like, well, duh, that's exactly what I'll do. So once he was done with the haircut, I asked him for a photo. He gave me a photo, which is on my Instagram, at Armani Talks underscore. And I posted it. And that's when I get a DM from one of my friends who's like, Batista gave you a photo? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, he wouldn't give me a photo. And I asked him, why not? And he starts telling me a story on why Batista didn't give him the photo. He's like, dude, man, I, I was at graduation. He was at graduation for his niece. He was holding a baby. I asked him if he could uh, take a photo with me. And he angrily said, no. I'm like, well, bro, your context is way different. He's holding a baby. I mean, uh, and this guy's perception of Batista was that he's just a bad guy where he's a human, you know, he's a celebrity, but, uh, he, the context is different. I've never understood why someone would go out of their way to get a photograph with someone. I just don't get it. Like this isn't this is just an actor or you know some entertainer. Like why do why do people want photos with them? This is something which is like a problem I haven't figured out. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't someone you're, you're not taking a picture with say some politician and you can like you know use it as a way to show people that you know politicians. This is just some guy who's like into acting. I don't get it, but okay, fair enough. If people want it, they want it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I actually do understand your perspective where that's not a rational thing of me or this guy to ask for a photo. The, the reason for me is I've just been a big wrestling fan growing up. I don't watch it nowadays, but the era that I stopped watching it was around the Batista era. And also he had one of um, the movies that I enjoyed a lot for that year. So I, I just thought it would be cool. Um, that was about it. You know, yeah. I think there would be a market for a service which is like, get a picture taken with a celebrity by paying a certain amount. So a popular celebrity could charge like $300 a picture mm-hmm. and it could be like a service. I bet a lot of money could be made this way. Well, there is a service now, Harsh, where if it's your birthday, uh, you could pay a celebrity to sing happy birthday to you or to someone that you know, and you could just give them a surprise birthday present. Hmm. I do. I do completely understand. Do that with AI. Go ahead. I do completely understand your perspective in regards to it, though. Where I'm not one of these guys that's going to be screaming in a concert or anything like that. But if I see someone that I'm familiar with, I will ask him, like, "Hey, can I take a quick picture?" Uh, Nowadays, I can completely see why it's annoying especially after those wedding situations. Um, anyways, this episode has been uh, very fun, very insightful. It's great to have Matt on. I believe uh, it's our wrapping up time. Yeah, this was a great conversation. And um, I think we should have Matt on again. He is super knowledgeable. And yeah, I would love to have him on again. What do you think? For sure. Let's do it. Sounds good. We'll get in touch with him and have a great day, guys. Click the subscribe button. It really helps us out and we want to help you out too. So hit the subscribe button and you will be notified of future videos. Hey, wait, does the subscribe button does that? Or does the subscribe button do that? Or is it the notification bell? Hit subscribe, hit the bell notification, and you will stay updated. Yeah, and leave us a comment. Have a great day and I will see you guys in two weeks. Take care. Take care.